This past week saw the launch of a website called Mormon WikiLeaks, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's a, quote, safe, secure, and anonymous way to submit documents, videos, or any other information regarding the church, unquote. The site was started by Ryan McKnight, a former Mormon himself. In September, he caused a bit of a stir on the ex-Mormon subreddit when he began leaking some internal documents of his own, something I want to ask him about. Uh, But let's start out by just saying hi to Ryan. Thank you for joining me. And can you give me some background before we get into all this about your own history with the Mormon church? Sure. Uh, you know, first I just want to say, Hammond, thank you for inviting me on and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see where this discussion goes. So yeah, fire away at the questions and I'll do my best to answer them. Awesome. So yeah, what's your story? How, how did you get involved? Were you, a, you were a Mormon growing up, but, uh, I'm specifically curious as to how you left the church and what caused that. Right. Yeah, I was um, born into the church, uh, and, um, you know, I'm, on my dad's side, you know, I have lineage that goes all the way back to the early days of Mormonism, and uh, I was brought up in a, in a typical Mormon household, and uh, I served a Mormon mission in uh, Barcelona, Spain, uh, and I, lo- I loved my mission. It was a great experience for me. Um, I was married in the Mormon temple. I lived, you know, the life of, of, of an average Mormon, uh, be- believing, fully believing in the, in the tenets of Mormonism. And, uh, when I was 32, which would have been, uh, about three and a half years ago, I, I, about summer of 2013, there were some some circumstances that led that kind of caused me to stumble upon uh, <clears throat> the information that Joseph Smith had married teenage brides as part of his polygamy practice. And that was big news I, when it came out. I remember reading about that, that they had discovered, well, or I think they finally went public with it and admitted that was the case. Yeah, except that's a, a great point that you bring that up because. I do know what you're referring to when the church came out with an essay where they for, kind of like formally acknowledged, you know, 30 to 40 yeah, wives or whatever yeah. it was. This, this though, was before that. Okay. So, um, you know, polygamy is really a taboo subject within Mormonism at this point. They don't—you hardly ever hear it discussed in church meetings, and when it does, it's it's either in a very hushed tones or it's in a way— that ultimately doesn't really reflect what the reality was. And so for me, when I stumbled across this information about teenage brides, I immediately thought it was, you know, a quote unquote lie of the internet. Um, I knew that Joseph Smith had been a polygamist, but I never had, it never had even crossed my mind that he had teenage brides. And as I kind of looked into it more, it, it became clear to me that this was actually true. And you know, while the idea of him having teenage brides in and of itself is a disturbing thing to think about, I was actually at the time more shaken up by the fact that I had gone 32 years without knowing this. And it was almost kind of like, you know, like the cover up is worse than the crime almost. You never learned about this growing up in the temple or anything like that? Not a word. I, I knew that he was a polygamist, but the way polygamy is kind of taught in the undertones, like, first of all, you're very hard pressed to find any contemporary, uh, teachings about polygamy and what it was about. Okay. So it just, it's something that the, the church has gone out of its way to sort of 
put it in the past, if you will. But when you grow up in the church, and anytime it comes up, if somebody asks about it or whatever, usually they, it's very kind of like, oh, well, just a couple of people did it, and they were trying to take care of these poor widows, and you know they didn't really want to do it. Uh, you know, Joseph Smith resisted it, etc. And they make it sound like this, this, <laughs> this thing that really isn't. And um, it was like forced be- upon him in a way. No, and you're not even like you're not even far off when you say that. Um, in fact, uh, and this is something that they do cover in that essay. Um, Joseph Smith, you know, he did it in secret, right? And you know, at various points, he was caught by his wife and other church members and stuff like this. And he would often give the reason as to why he had to do this because he claimed that an angel appeared to him and threatened to kill him if he did not practice polygamy. And I believe he said that it happened, that he resisted the angel three times. And on the third or fourth time is when he finally, quote unquote, caved in and, 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 and practiced polygamy. So it definitely, there was some serious manipulation going on there as, as to the motivations behind it. And, and as I began to like dive into the details of polygamy and read early accounts and early journal entries and and things of this nature, I, I began to see that the narrative, the historical narrative that I was getting was complete in complete opposition to the narrative that I'd been taught my whole life. And I thought, if I'm wrong about this, what else am I wrong about? Um, and, and that took me down, you know, the proverbial rabbit hole, race relations. I mean, I knew that, that blacks were not allowed to have the priesthood prior to 1978, but I had no idea about how how institutionalized the racism was, um, how vitriolic the rhetoric was that was spewed from the pulpit for, for over a hundred years. I really didn't know the level of hate that was coming out of the leadership. And, you know, these things like disturbed me greatly. And then it kind of took me to then looking at the historicity of the book of Mormon and maybe for your listeners that may not know, but Mormons not only refer to the Book of Mormon as being a scriptural text, but they believe it to be historically accurate. In other words, they think that the people, the characters in that book actually existed in real life. And, you know, I had always accepted that and believed uh, that there was actually scientific evidence to back that up because there's a lot of these, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Mormon-based scientists that claim to have all of this evidence of of the, of what are called the Nephites and the Lamanites. Those are the people in the Book of Mormon that they existed. And um, as I, as I began to critically analyze those things, I quickly realized that I was, I was looking at pseudoscience more than I was real science. And those three things I would say are the, the biggest things that just crushed me. Um, they were off there. I mean, I could go what was the, for days about all the, but what was the time period like between when you first discovered the polygamy thing, teenage brides versus uh, to when you decided, you know what, I don't think I can be a Mormon anymore. Well, I stopped going. I I think I probably first started reading stuff in like mid June of 2013. And the last time I went to church was in September of 2013. Okay. So a few months. But Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously early on, I started having some serious doubts, but I was trying to make it work. I was trying sure. to find, there was a period of time there where I was convinced that even though all of these things I had discovered were true, I was convinced that there was going to be something I would find that would offer like an explanation to it all, would make it all make sense. 
And and I really sought really hard that explanation for a good for a really good two months, I would say. And then that last sort of third month, I was really just sort of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, my life being a Mormon is over. And I tried to go to church a couple times with my wife. We actually had moved during all of this. And so we were now part of a, a you know, a new congregation, a ward as they call it. Mm-hmm. And so it was all new people. And I kind of started going there just to support her. And I was kind of like, you know, I would stay like in the hallway and stuff and not really participate. And I was going to try to do that long term and just sort of like support her and her desire to go. But after a couple of weeks, like somebody there was like two or three weeks since somebody got up at the pulpit and was talking about Joseph Smith. And they and my wife was aware of all these things I was discovering. I was going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And and she eventually did leave the church as well. But the the, uh, this guy got up and he was talking about how pure and good and how Joseph Smith was one of the most honest men to ever live. And I literally, I started to have for the first time in my life, like an anxiety attack. Like I started shaking. Best um, man in the world, and, married teenage brides, that sort of a thought. Yeah. And I told my wife afterwards, I said, I, I, I tried and I, I just don't think I can do it anymore. And luckily, like I'm lucky in, in that sense, because you know, a lot of times you do see um, situations where, um, where you know, there's a divorce or things like this. And I got lucky in the sense that, um, you know, my wife was initially she was willing to um, support me in my the new direction, even if she's going to continue with the church. And and luckily, there was never any kind of uh, real serious. Uh, friction in that area. Well, that's good to hear. Oh, so you were never a leader in the church. You were just a regular Mormon, lay Mormon, attendee, things like that. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I never held any leadership okay. outside higher than anything like locally. So what was your first experience to go from, uh, okay, you're no longer a member of the church. Did you actually formally renounce your membership? Yes. And approximately... Um, cause I know that's a process for April. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've made it easier since then. I actually, to be honest, to be perfectly honest with you, it wasn't that hard for me to do. Okay. Um, but I do know there are plenty of stories of people who get resistance in that area. I guess I maybe got lucky in that. I mean, I did have to still file paperwork and I, I, I think it took about six or eight, six to eight weeks to fully process but I never really got any kind of resistance from the leadership or, and I think part of it was because we had just moved into a new area and they kind of knew right off the bat that I was on my way out. Okay. So it wasn't like, yeah, like the previous congregation I was with may have given more resistance because I had been there for like almost 10 years and like I had like real friends there and, and things like that. So it may have been a, a different experience, but okay. But yeah, it so, was about April of 2014, I believe is when when that was finalized. And at what point do you go from, you are no longer part of this church to, I have access to some of these documents because, um, there are a few of them (laughs) I want to talk about, but, uh, when do you start posting stuff online that says this is what's going on inside the church? So I really fell into this on accident. Um, and you know, prior to any of this happening, I was just your average, uh, forum participator in various forums that I would, you know, use Reddit or uh, some Facebook groups as a as a place to sort of express myself and, uh, you know, seek the um, the comfort of like minded people who have gone through the same type of trauma that I had gone through type of thing. And um, 
back in November of 2015 in a private Facebook group that I was in, uh, somebody posted about this new policy that was being rolled out that day. I think it was the day of the release or it might've been the day after. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's something that later became dubbed, you know, the November policy, which it's, (laughs) it's kind of a long, long drawn out thing, but the, 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 what it boils down to is that, uh, the children of, uh, of homosexual couples are not allowed to be baptized until they meet two criteria. One, they must be 18 or older. And number two, they must renounce the same sex union of their homosexual parents. And this was uh, a huge, I saw it as being a really huge step for the church who was, although they've never supported homosexuality or LGBT issues, they've always tried to toe it as much of a neutral line as possible. Right. They usually say and it's I fine actually, if you're gay, you just can't, you have to be celibate. And this correct. was actually punishing the kids for something they had nothing to do with unless they denounced their parents, basically. Well, and I'll even take that a step further. There's a, there, there are 13 tenets in the Mormon church that are referred to as the articles of faith. And the very second art, and these are supposedly, you know, the core beliefs of the Mormon church and the second article of faith. And they're, and they're pretty much in order of importance. So we're talking about like the second most uh, important tenet of the faith is, and I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it verbatim. It's been a long time since I recited it, but it's something along these lines. Man will not be punished. I'm sorry. Man will be punished for their own sins and not for the transgressions of Adam, something along those lines. And the interpretation always was, is that we are our own men and we are not punished for our parents, for their parents and their parents and their parents, all the way back to the the sin of Adam and Eve eating the fruit. We are punished for our own sins only. And here it appears that people are being punished for the sins of their parents. Right. So, so I, I, Actually, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't. I was quite skeptical that this was a real policy, and so I hadn't read about it any, anywhere else. And so I posted it on Reddit on on the uh, ex Mormon subreddit, and uh, and then I also posted it on a on a more public Facebook group. And and essentially, I was really just seeking some confirmation. I didn't know at the time that I was stumbling upon this bombshell, and I got I basically you know to, to make a long story short, through somebody. Who, who's in the ex-Mormon community who had media connections. It made it to the Utah media, which then it led up to the New York Times, covered it, and it became a big story. And although my name was not necessarily attached to the media coverage on that, the person who I took it to, who took it to the media, went online and gave me credit as being the leaker. Now, the reality is, is the reason he didn't give credit to the person who I found it from is because at the time that person wanted to stay anonymous. I got you. They have since come out. They had since they have since come out and, and attached their name to it, but my you know I kind of got dubbed as the leaker uh, because of my involvement and my willingness to have my name attached to it. And after that happened, I would get contacted like about once a month from like church employees or, or former employees that felt they had something to get out there. And you know sometimes it would be like something that was not as interesting as they thought it was, or sometimes it was something very interesting that they didn't have proof of. And then sometimes there would be something that was worth putting out there and I would put it out there, but nothing that really was like super newsworthy. But you're the guy they're going to because they want to leak stuff. And so they know, okay, I can trust this guy. He won't rat me out or anything like that. I kind of built up this reputation of that (laughs) on, on initially on, on Reddit. And so, um, then I got contacted in October in the beginning of October by somebody who says they have these video they want that they've been sitting on for years. They said, 
and been looking for an opportunity to get them out without being attached to them because they were breaking a non-disclosure agreement by sharing these videos. And I said, yeah, okay, let's, you know, I'll, <laughs> sure, put, them, I'll put them on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, why not, you know? And, you know, he sent them to me and I, I watched them. I said, okay, you know, I, I said, okay, these are interesting. I didn't, I mean, I didn't think it, I didn't know how interesting they were to people on the outside. Cause I, I sometimes struggle to gauge like how much would a non-Mormon like find this interesting? Like how much inside baseball is this? You right. Know? I mean, they were almost, but, uh, this was like a board meeting, but to be clear, this was a meeting of the quorum of the 12 apostles, which for non-Mormons, yeah. I mean, that's the second highest governing body in the church. So this is pretty high up there, but it was essentially like a board meeting that they had internally, right? Yes. They were closed door meetings that they, apparently they have them uh, from what I've learned later. Apparently these are meetings that occur once a week. And they get briefed on various different subjects, um, and these were essentially videos of, of of some of those briefings. And at the end of each briefing, there's always sort of a Q and A where if if the twelve apostles want to get some clarification on something the briefer said, you know, and that's where all of the interesting stuff happens. So just so if anybody from this podcast, go, the, the channel that they're on is called Mormon Leaks, and. Um, and uh, if you look at the first 15 videos posted to that channel chronologically, those are the 15 videos. There are some videos that are on there that were posted after that are not necessarily part of that leak package. So I don't want people to get confused. But um, And some of it, these videos, it, the, I mean, we talked, they got a briefing from a sitting U.S. senator at the, what, what year was this going on? The videos themselves? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, the videos span between, I want to say 2010, 2011. And just one point of clarification, yeah. the, the, the video you're referring to, which was with Gordon Smith, the former Senator from Oregon, that video was that briefing actually occurred like a month after he left office. Okay. So he wasn't a sitting U S Senator then, but yeah, he was getting, they were getting yeah. information from a Senator. They were discussing things like marijuana policy, the 2008 elections, um, which mm-hmm. on the surface, okay, whatever you're getting information, but w- when this came out, what were people really focusing on? There were two main videos that got national attention. I'll, I guess I'll address the Senator one first because you just mentioned yeah. it. The reason why the Senator one raised eyebrows was because there were a couple of themes that were very evident in this video. And one of them was that it was talked about how his staff, uh, when he was a Senator was, they he used a word called church broke, which is kind of like like a horse being broke, like the trained. And they he basically was said that they didn't do anything until they got direction from the church. And he even kind of made an offhanded joke, something to the effect of, you know, we went like at one point we went like two months without hearing from you guys and we didn't know what to do. And um, and another, by the way, he was a senator from which which state? He wasn't from Utah. Or, no, and that. That's an important distinction because if he was from Utah, he was from Oregon. But if he was from Utah, you could almost forgive him and say, you know, well, most of his constituents are probably Mormon. So, you know, they're probably in line with the church. But here, you know, I don't know what percentage of Oregon is Mormon, but I'm guessing it's well under 1%. Right. Um, And so, you know, and he also just talked. Another thing that that got big headlines was out of that video was um, he said that he voted for the Iraq war because – he felt that the church would benefit from bringing democracy to the Iraqis and the church could, you know, bring Mormonism to them. And I think even for people who support the Iraq war, recognize that that's no reason to be going to war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and another thing that he said is, is that his, 
temple recommend, which is sort of basically means he's a card, you know, he's allowed to go into the temple and all this stuff. You know, he's, he's pays his tithing. He's basically a card carrying Mormon is more important to him than his, um, election certificate, um, for being in the Senate. Usually these politicians, they put their hand on a holy book and swear to uphold the constitution. And he's basically going the other way. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, there's a there's another video on my YouTube channel that I think people would find interesting. Um, it it's probably chronologically posted immediately after the 15 main videos, and I think the name of it is something like Jeffrey Holland caught lying to Harvard students. And Jeffrey Holland is one of the 12 apostles, and he was in all of these meetings. And this video splices together audio from that video, the closed door meeting, and some audio. Uh, I'm sorry, audio. It's only an audio video, but it's audio from that meeting and then audio from a uh, a meeting where he talked to students at Harvard and he explicitly was telling these students that um, the Mormon church never tries to influence uh, politicians on specific policy issues and that uh, no Mormon politician would be expected to put the church first. And he goes on and on and on about this. And so the video kind of splices the two together. And I've got the um, original videos linked in the comments so people can make sure I'm not taking out of contents. So clearly and hypocrisy, context. we're seeing the hypocrisy right then and there. And well, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. And the other video that made a lot of headlines more, more comical than anything. There, there was a, there's a video, I think the title of it is something like in which they obsess over Chelsea Manning's sexuality. And by the way, the, if people are like wondering why, how I got these, most of the titles of the videos, I kind of like used Arrested Development. That TV show is an inspiration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm a fan of that show. It's but, like uh, Friends. This anyway. is the one where they talk about blank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, I, um, in this video, they, they go, the briefing is about WikiLeaks, which is ironic with what's going yeah. on right now. <laughs> but you know, this video was, the debriefing happened in 2010 or 11, back when, the the episode of Julian Assange and, and and Chelsea Manning was on the forefront of the news, and the person giving the briefing is basically telling the quorum of the twelve apostles like the dangers of a WikiLeaks type website as related to the church and could 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 a WikiLeaks or a WikiLeaks type website hurt the church etc. It was actually yeah. very important <laughs> and in tragic foreshadowing. Briefing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and as a, as sort of a subtext of the briefing. And, and, and as a way to give some, some background on, on the whole thing, he tells them about Julian Assange and Bradley Manning. They, they refer yeah. to him as Bradley Manning in the video. And, and, and that whole, he gives like a little synopsis of that whole issue about Bradley Manning leaking stuff to Julian Assange. And it, it, wasn't the, the, it was not the, the subject of the briefing. It was just sort of subtext. Well, when they get to the Q&A section, instead of asking him about what they can do to prevent a WikiLeaks type thing happening and all this stuff – the only thing they literally talk about is the sexuality of Bradley Manning and then speculate about the sexuality of Julian Assange. And they say things like, one of them says, well, it's my understanding that Bradley Manning is a confirmed homosexual. That's their word, not mine. Mm -hmm. And, and then, and then once one of them says, is, is that actually true? And he asks the briefer, is he a confirmed homosexual? And, <laughs> and then the briefer says, yes, it's my understanding that he's a homosexual. And then, um, and then, then one of them says, is Julian Assange a homosexual? And the briefer says, you know, I really don't know one way or the other. And then you can almost kind of see the briefer try to start to 
try to pivot them back to on subject. <laughs> we're not talking about un- this, un- right? We're talking about something else. Yeah, yeah. but he's unsuccessful. Okay. And, uh, and, and then I think the best line of the whole thing, it, there's uh, one of the apostles by the name of Dallin Oaks says something to the effect of, the reason why I'm so concerned about this is because this because I'm convinced that the media actively covers up any negative information about the homosexual agenda. And so, you know, whatever yeah. all of that means. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, they're there what it tells and you know Mormon Mormons see that video and and they've commented as much and they see nothing wrong with that. They like they're like, "Oh, you know, what that seems like a normal course of conversation." But what they don't realize is to a normal person outside of the context of Mormonism, they see this as a bunch of 80-plus-year-old men running a multiple-billion-dollar company that are completely out of touch with reality. Right. And, and they're you know, fully obsessed one, like, with this me- sexual issue that they don't really understand um, at the expense yeah. of discussing something that might matter to the Mormon church. Well, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the most irony about it is that it was actually a serious subject, and the person who gave the briefing was actually prepared a, a fairly well done and important briefing for them. So, um, and yeah, go ahead. No, uh, let me get back to the the question uh, from from the beginning then, which is, uh, in a more broad sense, you post all these videos online. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about these videos, specifically the parts that you're mentioning. Do people know this is you at this point? I mean, because you put it under, like you said, the the name of the YouTube channel is Mormon Leaks. Do people know it's you at this point? Yes. Uh, Yeah, and and the New York Times covered it, and they did a piece about me when that happened, and my name was all over the media. Uh, Unlike with the November policy, my name was not in the media. The only way people knew that I was attached to that was if they kind of followed the issue on Reddit. Okay. Um, But... But yeah, with the videos at this point, my name was, I decided to go ahead and embrace that role. And now you really are the guy to talk to if people have leaks. Well, I got bombarded with messages after the videos. So after you post these videos, what happens? Well, I got bombarded. Like my once a month on average phone call, all of a sudden I'm getting like 15, you know, 20 phone calls, you know. I don't, I, I really, to be honest with you, I've like lost track of how many different people I've talked to, but I've, I've kind of ballparked the number in the 25 to 30 number range. And, you know, sometimes nothing comes out of it. I've gotten a couple of things like I released, uh, since the video I've released, like the, there was a, a, an internal document that showed the average cost of all of the internal interior decorations of the temple. And there's some, I mean, obviously it's all very expensive, but there's some that are really, really expensive that kind of caught people's eye. <laughs> they were like, wow, I can't believe they spend that much money on that stuff. But, uh, you know, nothing that, that rose to the news uh, le- worthy level of, of the videos. But I would get, would talk to people who really had stuff they wanted to give me and they, they were hesitant because of their enmity. And it wasn't so much that they didn't trust me, but they were like worried about maybe the church or somebody hacking my computer yeah. and figuring it out. And so I had already, prior to the videos, had been like toying with the idea of a website. But this overwhelming response that I got and the clear demand that I felt there was kind of like put the, you know, put the fire under me to like actually start doing it. And so I put together a team and we worked really hard for like two and a half months. And the website is the result of that. And so the website is uh, mormonwikileaks.org, I believe. 
And dot com, dot com. I'm sorry. So mormonwikileaks.com. And if you go there, there are actually instructions to say, here's how you download a Tor browser. Like, here's how you access the dark web. Here's how you could send us stuff yeah. without your name being attached to it. You kind of very clearly lay it out for people so that they are sure that their anonymity will be protected. Yeah, because, you know, this kind of world is new to Mormons in a way. I mean, they, you know, Mormons are not naturally versed in, in this, this secretive movement on the internet. And so, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure that number one, they knew exactly how to do it. And number two, they had a little bit of peace of mind that we were doing it right. Mm -hmm. And so if people email you, let's say they had a document inside the church, they go through the process and submit it to the website. Who gets it? Just you? Yes. Okay. And here's a question I was trying to figure out. Let's say someone sends you a document. Let's say it is explosive. And I don't know if that's happened yet, or maybe it will happen in the future. But how do you verify that these things are real? Can't someone trick you if they wanted to? Absolutely. And I fully expect people to try to do that. I don't want to go into too much detail about the authentication process. Here's what I'll say. Yeah. First of all, we're fully expecting that to happen. And we will not release anything unless we feel comfortable with us authenticity we do have processes in place to help with the identification process and i'm confident at this point that the processes that we've laid out will be effective i suppose time will tell on that um but it is something that is going to be on the forefront of anything that gets released. And obviously the more explosive, the higher the burden is going to be. Sure. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that fully answers your question, but I really don't want to get too much into the, the details of how we're going to do it. Just know that it it's being done. There is and a we, process. We want to make sure. Yes. And it's not, it's not me relying on my gut feeling. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good to know. So, um, let me ask yeah. you, what is something, uh, there may be two parts to this question. The first is what does the church knowingly keep hidden from the public that even Mormons know, oh, yeah, I don't have access to this information? Well, the answer to that would be finances. Okay, so even church members that. don't actually know where their tithes are going necessarily? They have no clue. Okay. And so one there question for me. zero information given. Okay. And is this also the case for, like, leaders of the wards? I mean, how high up do people not know about the finances? Very high up. Even most church employees don't know the, enough to give you a big picture. It is maintained within a very, very small circle of people. And even, at, even then, the information is so fragmented that, that it... I would say it's likely that there's no one person that could give you a complete picture of their finances. Yeesh. Um, and maybe this is answering that question, but uh, if the greatest whistleblower in the Mormon church history used your site, what in your mm -hmm. mind would what, would, what would be the ultimate discovery? What would you love to know? Well, I do think there's interest in, you know, the finances and I am interested in that, but I want people that I know people think that the finance is going to lead to the discovery of shady behavior et cetera, et cetera, you know, maybe lose their tax exempt status. I do think that's kind of like high in the sky thinking. I've seen evidence that the church goes out of their way to follow IRS regulations. And I, and I'm, if I had to guess, I would say they probably aren't doing anything illegal when it comes to finances, but that doesn't mean that they're operating ethically. And even if they are operating ethically, people just don't know. 
So it would be nice to just know. And the other area would be things like policies and procedures at the corporate level. Most people don't know what they are, and they're supporting this organization financially. And then, you know, I think some of the other things that I think could potentially come out, and I don't have any proof that any of this would exist, but I wouldn't be surprised if we get information regarding, let's say, the cover-up of sexual abuse and things like that. Because we do know there's a lot of sexual abuse that goes on, but, you know, it's unclear as to the extent that the Mormon Church goes to cover it up. Okay. Do you think there's any possibility that uh, there's ever been any discussion at the high levels that maybe some aspects of the Mormon history that you are all taught growing up that maybe at the highest levels they know it's not true? Yeah, that's, you know, um, that's always a a fun topic to discuss on Reddit and things like that. Um, You know, at the end of the day, you know, nobody really knows. Uh, We can't really call for, you know, for the opportunity their minds. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I find it personally, I find it hard to believe that you could rise to the level of, let's say the 12 apostles and still believe, but with all the information you have access to, but you know, I really don't know. I suppose we have to give them the benefit of the doubt until we, you know, until we have proof otherwise. This may be confidential information, but can you say anything about how many people in the week that the site's been up, how many people have used the site? How many things have emails have you received through the site? Well, as far as how many people visit the site, I, I can't even give you that information if I wanted to, because one of the features of the site is that it doesn't log any information about visitors. Okay. So we don't even know how many people are visiting the site. We have received files. Okay. Uh, uh, but as as to their value of these files it hasn't been determined yet i just haven't had a chance to fully vet them okay so i can't even i couldn't even tell you leaks are coming i, I just know that i've got work to do this weekend <laughs> <laughs> and i i've all i'm also in touch with a couple people that have contacted me outside of the website and and i think that they're going to i i think there's a good chance that these contacts lead to to leaks but you know people should also be reminded that this is a slow process this isn't something that happens overnight right I, I mean the important thing is that there is now a place to go if you are someone who is maybe in the church and has access to information and you didn't know what to do with it there's at least now publicly uh, a place for you to go where you can take that information if you wanted to um yep. what do you what do you say to critics because I've seen this on like there was a Washington Post article about Mormon WikiLeaks and other places. What do you say to critics who say, you're not a Mormon anymore, Ryan, so just stop messing with those of us who are? Yeah, I think the way it usually goes is they they try to use a condescending line that says something like, you can leave the church, but you can't leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Um and look, I, I've, I've talked about this a little bit in, a, in other forums, and I, I have no, I want to talk about it here too. I... I, I have trouble even offering a response to that kind of criticism because, it, to me, it is so lacking in substance. Um, because the implication of that statement or that sentiment is that the normal behavior of a person who leaves a religion that they've dedicated thirty plus years to would that the normal reaction would be to just sort of turn it off like a light switch and move on to the next chapter in their lives. It's the implication is that would be the normal reaction. And I would question a person that reacted like that to such a, an event in their lives. How can somebody and and I you know I got lucky 30 plus years there's people 40, 50, 60 years that they were involved before they came to these realizations. 
but you're dedicating your energy, your thoughts, your life, your money, your future plans all revolve around this religion that you come to find out is not what it claims to be. How can you, how could anybody walk away from something like that? Yeah, I almost so, want to. I almost want to say to them, like, "What are you afraid of?" Like, worst case scenario, yeah. everything's fine and you have nothing to fear. But if there really is some secret to be uncovered, wouldn't you want to yeah. know about it? Yeah, and I'm open to things that are that are previously unknown that would shed a positive light on the church. I'm open to that. Of course, you know, if there was anything positive, they would have shared that because they never hesitate to share positive <laughs> things. Actually, that is that is a question. If people share stuff with you, um, is there any way of knowing, like? you know, how, what percent you're actually sharing with the public? Um, what if someone shared something with you and we never see the, it never sees the light of day. Like it's kind of, it's a bottleneck that goes through you. So do we ever know that people submitted these secrets that portray the church in a good light or anything, you know? I I suppose, I guess it would rest on my trustworthiness. I mean, I, 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 I am definitely open to being, to saying things like, you know, I've received a hundred documents and only released ten of them. I'm I'm uh-huh. I'm open to that kind of a discussion, but at the end of the day, you're trusting my my word for it. I would say this though is that you know if people either try to get something through me and I reject it, or they don't want to go through me, that they don't need to. I mean, I'm a resource, but if people want to go about it a different way or they don't trust me or whatever, then by all means, you know. I mean, I've got a, a pretty good track record and I've got the media contacts I contacts I think to. To, to sort of um, get it out there in a more effective way. But, you know, by no means does, does anybody have to go through me. And also I would say I'm not encouraging any specific leaks. I mean, I'm not saying make sure you find me this or that or whatever. <laughs> I, right. I, I basically want – here's what I want. I want if a, uh, an employee of the Mormon church comes across through their daily life information that they feel that their conscience tells them that the public would benefit from it and it – eats at them to the point that they're willing to share it. I just want those people to know that there is a resource out there for them if they want assistance. That's good to know. And one final question for you. Let's say you are one of the apostles. Let's say you are a quorum member. If you're in leadership in the Mormon church, what do you do to fight this? What do you, what do you, what advice would you give them if you weren't you, (laughs) you know, like how do you, uh, go against these people who might leak information about your organization? You know, I think one of the things, the first step they need to do is recognize, and I don't think they do this yet, that the level of loyalty among their employees is nowhere near the levels they think it is. I think that upper management thinks that they have a very loyal work workforce, um, and my experience, and I'm not just talking about the 25 to 30 people I've talked to, these people tell me, uh, that there are small pockets of people there that don't believe there's a wink, wink, nod, nod in the hallway. People are faking it all over the place there. And these are just the people I know about. I can only imagine if you extrapolate it, you know, from a percentage standpoint, but I would estimate in my opinion that there's at a minimum hundreds of disloyal employees and at a max and I would wouldn't be surprised if it was in the thousands. And by disloyal I don't mean people that would be willing to leak information. Because I actually know some people that are no longer believing in the church that won't leak stuff because, you know, they they, they don't who want to break access, their non who had yeah. access to stuff but they're not yes. gonna give it to you. But but I when I say disloyal, I just mean that they are closet non believers in the religion. 
Because, I mean, the, the if they actually wanted to leave the church and not pay the tithes and everything, I mean, they're, and we experience this with anyone leaving any religion, really, they're basically giving up their lives, their social networks, maybe their families. They don't want to do that, so they just play the game. In many cases, it's social and professional suicide. Yeah. So the church may not, the church elders, the, the people at the highest levels may not realize how many people uh, play that game. They may not have any idea. They think they're more loyal than... They, My opinion they, is it's greatly underestimated by them. Well, we'll find out based on how many leaks people are willing to give you, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would just remind people, I said it before, that, you know, this is, a, this is a slow game. Patience is the game. And uh, there will be leaks that come out. I have no doubt of it. And, um, you know, how big or how newsworthy they are, I guess, you know, time will tell. But... Um, there are things that are going to come out in the next coming in the coming months. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm sure a lot of people are, uh, Ryan, can you tell everyone if they do want to send you information, uh, what's the mm-hmm. best way to do it again? The website is, uh, Mormon And there is an email at the bottom, uh, that I use a proton ma- mail. Uh, and if they want to send me an email, um, from a fake email account or their re- email account, if they want to have a dialogue with me, they can email me there. Um, but you can definitely just use the site as a complete anonymous submission if if you want. Very cool. And thank you for uh, creating that resource yeah. for people. And I know I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to come from yeah. that. So, And I know a lot of people are too. And if I could just add just Please. one aspect of the site that I've gotten a lot of questions about, like, oh, I can't see the documents and the videos on the site. We don't have the hosting feature yet up on the site, but it's coming. In January, we're planning to roll out the hosting ability on the site. So right now, you know, we're using YouTube and we're using other sort of uh, document sharing uh, sites to host the documents. But sometime in January, we'll we'll have everything accessible on the websites. Right now, the website is simply for the submission function. And if there is something that comes about, how do you announce that? Where will you be posting that? Just on the WikiLeaks website? Will you get it through the media, the subreddit? Yeah, well, the media would probably be involved if, depending on how big it is. But our main our main platform for releasing right now, we're using the public Facebook page, but we're also following that up with uh, t- a tweet and 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 Reddit and things like that. But uh, the first place we will post it will be on the public Facebook page. That's right. also titled Mormon. Um, it's also titled Mormon WikiLeaks. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking to us, and good yeah. luck. Good luck with the endeavor. Thank you very much.